Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. It's Thursday, May the 28th. I'm Richard Woolley, Distressed Debt and Restructuring Editor in Reorg's London office, and this week I'm going to speak to Co-Deputy Editor Jayshree Kalia about the UK retail space, including some of the credits being covered by our mid-market team. I'm also going to catch up with financial analyst Carolina Hirnanen, who's going to give us an update on Swissport. First, though, we're going to hear from legal analyst Shankareshi about the UK's new corporate insolvency and governance bill. What's in it and when can we expect it to be implemented? The new bill was announced at the end of March this year and is designed to enable UK companies undergoing a rescue or restructuring process to continue trading. The reforms don't only deal with measures to help companies affected by the COVID-19 restrictions, but also add new permanent tools to the UK restructuring regime. One such tool was first published by the government in 2016 and has been referred to by some commentators as the super scheme. The bill is expected to be debated in Parliament on June 3rd. The bill contains two temporary measures and three permanent measures. The temporary measures are a suspension of liability for wrongful trading for directors in a period from 1 March up until 30 June this year and a suspension of the ability for creditors to file winding up petitions and statutory demands between the 1st of March and 30th of June. These temporary measures are designed to give companies struggling due to the COVID-19 pandemic some breathing space from insolvency. Can you talk a little bit more about the permanent measures? What do they offer companies and restructuring practitioners? Sure, so there's a new moratorium introduced and also a new measure preventing so-called ipso facto clauses. A new freestanding moratorium has been introduced as a form of debtor and possession proceeding. This will be overseen by an insolvency practitioner acting as the monitor for the proceedings. The moratorium will be available to a company which is, or is approaching, insolvency. If it is likely, it can be rescued as a going concern. The process has some broad exclusions, including in relation to groups that have issued bonds or notes. Now, the moratorium is quite similar in scope to that which applies in administration, preventing security enforcement and legal proceedings, amongst other things. And it also provides a payment holiday for certain debts incurred prior to the moratorium. However, there are many exclusions, including in relation to financial debt, meaning that it's the trade creditors of a company who will be most affected. The legislation provides that the moratorium cannot continue beyond 40 business days without the consent of either creditors or the court, and the moratorium may merge as the counterpoint to a light-touch administration. As well as the moratorium, there's a new permanent measure designed to protect suppliers of the company. These measures provide that if a company enters into a qualifying form of insolvency process, including the moratorium, plan, CBAs, administration and liquidation, the suppliers cannot terminate or, for example, change the terms as a result of the insolvency process or any pre-commencement events or demand payment of any outstanding amounts as a condition of continuing supply. Okay, and what would you say were the key features of the super scheme? So the super scheme will be modelled broadly on the existing English scheme of arrangement, but with some important changes. The voting threshold under the plan will be 75% by value in each class to vote in favour, the same as under the existing scheme regime. However, there will be no numerosity test. A new connected party test will be introduced, being more than half of the value of unconnected creditors in each class to vote in favour. This is similar to the existing test for CVAs, company voluntary arrangements, which is in uh, the Insolvency Act. The plan will allow for a cross-class cram-down of dissenting creditors, so if one creditor class votes in favour of the plan and the absolute priority rule is followed, the court can sanction the plan. The court will be able to sanction the plan if, in doing so, it is necessary to achieve the aims of the restructuring, and it is just and equitable to do so in all the circumstances to the extent the absolute priority rule is not met. 
The proposals will not extend as far as allowing super priority rescue financing, as is common in US Chapter 11 proceedings. And the plan can be used to deliver a debt for equity swap without the need for a separate enforcement process to deliver the equity. The hearing processes will closely resemble the existing English schemes of arrangement. So this all comes at a time when there's a lot of debate about the UK's status as a restructuring venue in Europe. Do you think these changes are going to help the UK's case? Well, the introduction of cross-class cramdown is long awaited and a major step in the UK insolvency landscape. It unlocks the possibility of a senior lender-led cramdown on junior lenders and the equity, as well as a junior cram-up. However, the super scheme and the existing scheme have been joined by the new Dutch scheme, referred to as the WHOA. On 26 May 2020, the Dutch House of Representatives approved a legislative proposal for the Dutch scheme. The Dutch scheme will be an important tool to implement restructurings in an effective manner, most importantly because it also provides a tool to cram down holdout creditor classes. This is not currently possible under Dutch law outside of insolvency, which frequently complicates finding solutions for companies in distress. Turning now to a sector that's been a heavy user of restructuring tools of late, I caught up with Jay Shrikalia for an update on retail and the particularly interesting situations she's been following. There was some positive sentiment in the market this week following Boris Johnson's announcement that all non-essential stores will be able to reopen in England from June 15. For example, German beauty products retailer Douglas's bonds rose about five points and UK retailer Matalans were also up on the news. But investors across the board are still very nervous about getting involved in retail names, given the number of uncertainties. Social distancing is expected to hit footfall, and there is the challenge of reducing rent on existing leases and dealing with lower rents from distressed or insolvent tenants alongside new money needs. Now, Matalan is in talks with two of its RCF lenders, about a loan under the UK government's coronavirus large business interruption loan scheme, but the company would need bondholders' consent to increase the size of the super senior basket. This could set a market precedent of issuers amending restricted debt covenant terms to allow government schemes. Meanwhile, TACO is seeking new money to boost liquidity, having suspended interest payments on its bonds. There has been talk of a new potential credit line being funded by its banks. But again, bondholders would have to consent to the additional super senior debt. Have there been any cases where new money hasn't been secured? Yes, we've seen several retailers in the middle market struggle to secure extra funding, including Fatface, whose owner Bridgepoint handed over the keys to lenders last week after 13 years because it wasn't prepared to fund the company anymore. Bridgepoint injected capital into the brand back in 2009, having bought it for £360 million from Advent in 2007, and that was because the company was close to breaching covenants at the time. The sponsor has also bought back some of the loans to reduce the debt burden and tried to float some of the company on the London Stock Exchange in 2014. This was later cancelled. Right now, creditors including Alcentra, HIG, Lloyds and Goldman are trying to implement a workout deal. Why has Fatface needed so much backing from the sponsor? 
Fatface has been in talks with a committee of lenders and its sponsor to address upcoming maturities, covenant breaches and liquidity. But the company has struggled to meet net leverage covenant tests historically. It met amended covenant requirements for 2017 and 2018, only after it negotiated relaxed terms with lenders in 2017. The company's profits were declining that same year because of rising costs associated with currency pressures. It buys products in US dollars from the Far East, which left it exposed to exchange fluctuations. Now, these historical hurdles have made it harder for a bailout during the coronavirus crisis. Fatface had closed all of its stores due to the government lockdown and ramped up its online services, offering free UK standard delivery, contactless and an extended return policy. But so far, this hasn't been enough to plug its cash shortfall and there are expected rent reductions to consider. And how are retail property companies dealing with these rent reductions? This week, we have seen hedge funds short sale Hammerson and mention a new money need to plug cash shortfalls caused by the coronavirus outbreak, but also because the company failed to complete its recent asset sale. Its CDS widened yesterday, making it more expensive to buy protection against the company's debt. Brokers also issued notes earlier this week, downgrading the group's investment rating to reduce from hold and cut its price target to between 50 pence and 65 pence. But Hammerson still has £1.2 billion in available liquidity, compared to Peer Into, which has a lot of red flags. Into is facing more than £1 billion of debt maturities by the end of 2021, compared with £190 million for Hammerson. Hammerson benefits from a lower loan-to-value ratio and an unsecured debt stock, whereas Intu is faced with rapidly diminishing LTV and Covenant headroom under its secured debt facilities. So a lot depends on each individual capital structure and how management has fared historically. We talked about Swiss ground handling company Swissport in detail at the end of April on this podcast, but this week there have been some new developments. I spoke to Carolina Hienanen about them. Swissport announced yesterday it will be launching a scheme of arrangement as well as a consent solicitation to its senior secured creditors to amend certain covenants under its indenture and to incur up to 308 million super senior debt. The company wants to use the scheme to get approval for amendments that under the loan documentation require unanimous consent from lenders as under a scheme the threshold is only 75%. If a unanimous approval is reached under the amendment request, the scheme will not be used. The constant solicitation seeks amendments to the senior secured notes indenture to allow Swisper to incur super senior debt up to 380 million at terms, covenants and other provisions that are acceptable to the majority of lenders and the holders, allowing existing lenders the right to participate in the super senior debt incurrence. Adoption requires the consent of the holders of a majority in aggregate principal amount of the senior secured notes. Swissport said the scheme and the solicitation have the support of an ad hoc group of senior secured creditors, which as at May 26th held approximately 34% in aggregate principal of the loans and commitments under the credit agreement and about 56% of the senior secured notes. The group's liquidity position as of May 15th was over 
350 million in cash, but additional financing is needed to address the upcoming shortfall. The group said yesterday it has an immediate liquidity need of 250 million to 350 million over the next six to nine months and needs 600 to 700 million of new money over the next 14 to 18 months to return to a pre-crisis cash level with sufficient liquidity for both operations and investments. The group expects to reach a minimum liquidity point only in 2021 between July and October. Can you remind us of some of the background to this? Swissport's activities have been severely disrupted as a result of the global travel restrictions put in place as a response to the coronavirus pandemic. The ground handling activities have been down by about 90% since April, while cargo has been down about 20% after the highest initial drop of 34% in the beginning of April. Overall revenue has fallen between 75 to 80%, and monthly expected EBITDA loss is between 50 and 60 million at the moment, according to the group. Swissport is expecting the crisis to result in further consolidation in airline and service providers, potentially presenting opportunities, and noted that the ground handling market fundamentals are strong. Swissport is expecting to return to pre-COVID-19 EBITDA in 2022. Longer-term growth and the group's one Swissport program are forecast to increase EBITDA by more than 150 million, with EBITDA preliminarily forecast to reach about 430 million by 2025. As usual, you can read more about all of these situations on our website, reorg.com, which includes a dedicated section on mid-market names like Fatface. We'll be back in two weeks' time with another Reorg Europe podcast. But until then, stay safe and thanks very much for listening.